Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters, episode number 61. I'm talking to founder of Partners for Prosperity LLC and CEO Kim Butler. She has shunned common financial products in favor of alternative investments, private lending, and creative life insurance strategies outside of the typical financial planning box. Co-founder of the Prosperity Economics Movement, she is known as a decisive thought and action leader. I want to dissect whole life insurance during this podcast. Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. How are you doing today, Kim? Just fine, Alpesh. I'm so glad we're getting to talk. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. I have someone who I have been following for years. Uh, trying to learn the whole life insurance, especially life insurance industry overall. And I'm excited that you are here. Uh, And of course, we are going to dissect about whole life insurance. But in the meantime, can you tell my listeners what's your primary job or business? Absolutely. So I am a financial advisor and I coined a term a long, long time ago to help people understand that the financial work I do is a little bit different than the typical financial advice that you get out in the marketplace. And it is called prosperity economics. Interesting. What what do you mean by prosperity economics? (laughs) Well, um, you know, when we learn the term economics, most of us learn that in high school. Yes. I would have to say that most Americans probably hate their economics classes. Right, yeah. I never took an economics class. And... (laughs) I'm glad that I didn't miss anything. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I can tell you that I hated mine and I don't even like using that word. I try to tell my children, don't use the hate word. That's a bad right, word. Exactly. <laughs> but the fact is that we all live in an economy and we live in an economy in the United States. We live yeah. in an economy in our little city okay. and we also live in our own personal economy. Right. And so really when you talk about personal finances, you have to think about them as an economy. So hence the word economics. And then I just love the word prosperity because I think it is a lot more indicative of what we're really building. It's not just finance. It's not just wealth. It's prosperity. And prosperity implies that wealth impacts our lives way more than just in the form of money. Right. And, you know, there's so many things in our life that really matter and money affects absolutely every single one of them. Okay. And so I just coined the term together and tried to make it be something that was helpful to people to understand that there is a different way to handle your personal finances than what most people talk about and call financial planning. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So um, can we talk about the life insurance policies? What are the different types of life insurance policies? (laughs) So right off the bat, I really want to alert your listeners that 
life insurance is often a very boring subject. We exactly. think about it. We think that it's all about death. Yep. And that's not accurate. It's called life insurance for a reason. And it's because it's about life. And so as most people know, there's term insurance and everybody that has a business that has something that they care about or somebody that they care about should have some life insurance. And term yes. life insurance is a great place to start. start. And if you do nothing else, just pop on the web and grab yourself some term right. life insurance. Super easy. Check it off the list. Done. Yep. Now, if you want to up-level that one, then you want to look at something that's called whole life insurance. And again, I'll prepare your listeners that if you go ask 10 financial planner, financial advisor types about whole life insurance, 9.5 of them are going to say, oh, no, don't do that. Don't bad. do that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so the question that I always like to ask is, why do we say, oh, nope, don't do that about a product that's been around for over 200 years? Yes. For something to be in existence that long, it has to have some validity. Right. And so I just really encourage people to go into an open-minded learning mode. And the bottom line of whole life insurance is it's an awesome place to store cash. Yes. So it's a liquid <clears throat> dollar figure right. that's called cash value that you want to use as your emergency slash opportunity fund. That's a, that's a great analogy right there. <laughs> so why do you recommend whole life insurance policy? Because it's the best place to store cash I know. It's better than a savings account. It's better than a money market account. It's more efficient than a CD, a muni bond, a tax-free bond. All of those things that I just mentioned are earning 1% or 2% these days. Right. Most of them are taxable, minus the tax-free bond, obviously. And life insurance is going to earn probably closer to 3%. Okay. And that's, that's in today's world. You know, we're, we're recording this in 2020. Okay. And um, life insurance is also going to not be taxed. And so those two things right there make it more efficient place to store cash. And it's not for everybody. You know, if right. you're in your 70s or 80s, it's probably not going to work. Not, yeah. But I have young adult children. They're just out of college. And they're using life insurance as a place to store cash. They're not oh, married. Okay. They do not have children. And yet, because of its efficiency and because it stores cash better than any other place, they're using it. And, you know, so many kids out of school these days, they're forced right into their 401k plan. Right. That is not a liquid asset. Yeah, and I don't like 401k. <laughs> no, the government controls that exactly. asset 100%. Exactly. And so you want to build an asset that you control. And it's not going to be for every dollar that you have. Of course, if you have a match, you might want to contribute right. to your 401k uh -huh. a little bit. But you want to have liquidity. Your emergency fund and your opportunity fund, that's what gives you peace of mind to sleep at night. It gives you the ability to change jobs if you want to, or you need to, or move across right. country, or travel, or do a myriad of other things that no other asset is going to do a good job of helping you do. I agree. So uh, you mentioned about that life insurance is not taxed, and I hear about it 
a lot as well. And for my listeners, can you explain what do you mean by that? Yes, that's a great question. So let's again compare it to a 401k. Not that it's right. the best comparison, but right. it helps people but it's, understand. It's a good, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, and the, this is a good time for the video. You always have three phases of taxation. There's money going in, mm-hmm. and then there's money growing, and there's money coming out. Mm-hmm. And with a 401k, you're going to get a tax benefit on the first Plus two. two. Mm-hmm. With life insurance, you're going to get a benefit on the last two. Ah, okay. So people often use the terminology, back to our three things, about you're either taxed on the seed, the money going in, or you're taxed on the harvest, the money coming out. And life insurance is a tax on the seed type of asset. A 401k is a tax on the harvest type of asset. And of course, ideally, your harvest is going to be bigger than your bigger seed. Bigger than, yes. That's yeah. what you want. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you want to pay tax on the seed. So, so uh, if I compare life, whole life insurance to a Roth IRA, mm-hmm. I think that could be a good comparison. They are pretty similar, if I, if I may. They are very similar. There's a couple of distinctions. Number one, as you know, Roth money is locked up till you're 59 and a half. You can can take your principal out. So that helps. Absolutely. But Roth contributions are also limited. Yes. And so one of my favorite CPAs is Diane Kennedy. She's done a lot of work with Robert Kiyosaki, who's okay. fairly well known. Okay. Then I'm going to reach out to Diane Kennedy for podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. And she says that life insurance is like a Roth for the rich because it has unlimited yeah. abilities for contributions. You can put as much money as you want, as long as you don't um, reach to your MAC limit, right? Right, right, right. Yep. So you'll want to reach out to Diane Kennedy. And there's another CPA, Tom Wilwright, that does oh, a lot yes. of work. Oh, I love Tom Wilwright. So I met him. I love his book. I've always talked about tax Fabulous. Yep. So I met uh, Robert Kiyosaki and Tom Wilwright um, last year, actually. So Great. Yeah. <laughs> good, good matches. Yeah, they're awesome. So th- this is great. So I have another question. I've been told uh, when I was getting my life insurance, as well as when I reached out to some other agents too, that I can get 80% of the paid amount or the premium or the cash value as loan in the first five years. And then you should be able to borrow most of it. Is this true? Yes. Actually, most insurance companies will lend about 95% of the cash value. Okay. So that, and that, uh, so let's say if I'm putting about 20 grand a year, there will be some percentage which would, which would go to the premium and expenses, right? Correct. So cut after I remove those expenses, whatever is left is my cash value. That's correct. Okay. So um, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to suggest if anybody's curious about their own numbers they're welcome to reach out to me. It's very easy for us to send them an illustration, which would have a list of the cash value every single year. And it is different based on age and gender. 
And then you can look at that cash value and get a sense of how much you would be able to borrow against it for emergencies and opportunities. That's awesome. And I'll, I'll ask my listeners to take advantage of it. <laughs> I'm happy to help. So uh, now I want to ask some questions about, you know, when uh, you are someone is working with a real estate, I mean, life insurance broker or agent, what are some of the things they should look out for? Like in uh, example, you just mentioned about illustration, but if I'm reaching out to someone, what are, do you have a checklist of things or I should keep in mind before signing up for a whole life policy? Absolutely. I think one of the most important aspects of the life insurance agent's ability to help you is to have them also have some proper investments that they can refer you to for the time in the future where you've already funded your emergency fund, which, you know, that might take a year or two. And now you're ready to borrow against the cash value for opportunities. Because if you don't have good investments to borrow against for opportunities, then you're leaving that ability to the client, which may not have the ability to find those alternative investments. So I think that's a really important aspect. And you can just ask your agent, like, first of all, do you work with whole life? Because you want to be really clear that the agent is whole life oriented, not universal life oriented. Okay. And And then second, you want to, sorry. No, sorry. What's the difference between whole life and universal life? So that Sorry. is, yep, that's a great question. And it opens up a big can of worms. So I'm going to try to answer it really succinctly. And it's easiest to use an analogy. Whole life insurance is like the most awesome car you know. What, okay. You know, you can Tesla, BMW, Mercedes, Ferraris. whatever, yeah, whatever your car is. Universal life is like the cheapest car, you know, so, you know, Kia, Yugo, I'm not saying anything (laughs) negative about those cars. They're just less expensive and for a reason. And clearly both cars will get us to work, right? right? Both of those types of life insurance policies are life insurance policies. And if you die, they will pay but the long-term nature of them is massively different. Uh, and, and we know that with a Kia or a Yugo, you're probably not going to be driving that car 20 years from now, 30 years from now. It's just not going to live that long. Right. With a Beamer or Mercedes, you know, it might be out of date. You might have had to replace some things, but it's probably still going to be driving. Right. And again, you know, no political, nothing. I'm not nope. trying to get into any of that <laughs> with the cars, but um, it's the longevity and the assurity that that car slash life insurance policy, which the whole life is like the more expensive cars, it, it okay. costs more and there's a reason. Why? Now, take away the branding. There's still a reason that those cars cost more and it's because they're gonna live a lot longer. And whole life is like that. It's gonna live a lot longer. It's called whole life because it is designed to be there for your whole life. Meaning until you die at age 90, 100, 110, 120. I mean, all the people listening to your podcast, they're into their health. They're going to live to 130 or 140. (laughs) That whole life policy needs to stay in place for a century sometimes, right? 
you got a 20 year old or a 30 year old today, they're going to live another hundred years. Right. The universal life policy is never going to stick around that long. I see. Thank you for that explanation. <laughs> yes. Yes. So let's say I have signed up, not I have signed up, but I have reached out to this agent and I've been working on it and we finalized the policy and I'm about to sign on the documents. What are some of the things I should look for in the documents before I, you know, uh, do the final signature? Yes. So you want something called a maximum paid up addition. And it's actually really easy to get. And some agents talk about like they do all this machinations and make it all special. All they got to do is check the dang box on the computer that says <laughs> maximum, maximum paid up edition. Yeah, it's, it's not that hard, but it is an important one. And then you also want to look for a couple other things. One is called a waiver of premium. That's a writer that would be available to you, assuming that you could get approved for it. Not everybody can, but if you can get approved for waiver premium, it means that if you became disabled, that the insurance company would pay the premium for you for as long as you were disabled up to age 65. Oh, okay. It's a pretty important writer. Yes. And then there's another writer that I like for the older set. So if you're like 60 and above, um, it's a long-term care writer. And yes, LTC. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same idea. You, you want to have that writer and able to enable you to use the policy to pay for long-term care expenses. I wouldn't purchase it if I was 30 or 40 or even 50, but oh, really? okay. if, if I were older. And I also think it's really important that people know that you can have more than one life insurance policy. I own right. over 20 of them. Yeah, me too. I was just going to say I own a term. I own a IUL, which is LTC, and of course, a whole life. Beautiful. <laughs> so, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So those, those are probably the most important things. I would add one more, and it's uh, it pretty much goes without saying, but just so people are clear, and that's that you buy your whole life from a mutual company oh, yes. that is participating. And what that means is it means they pay dividends. As an example, USAA is a great company. I love what they do for the military. Yes. They have fabulous current home insurance. They're awesome. Well, they have whole life insurance, but it's oh, non-participating. Uh, and so it's, yeah, it doesn't have a commission, but... <laughs> It isn't, right. it's not an effective policy to buy. I would never recommend yeah, it's it. It's not going to so, give me, a, give yeah, me any kind of my cash flow. Right. <laughs> yep. Mutual company and a participating policy. Okay, awesome. So pan mutual, mass mutual, some of those, right? Yep. Yeah, there's about 20 companies yes. that I could rattle off and any of them would be just fine. Okay, awesome. Awesome. That's awesome. So let's say once... I have acquired a policy, how to read a policy or enforce illustration. Of course, we are not going to go in detail, but if you can highlight some of them. <laughs> Absolutely. So thankfully, most insurance companies these days are finally getting on the bandwagon of having online statements. Yes. And so you're, you know, you're going to learn how to read that for your own policy and, your, and the company that you were, are working with. And then you used a term that I'm guessing most people are not familiar with, and that's called an in-force illustration. Yeah. yeah, the word is in-force, I-N-F-O-R-C-E. And you want to get an in-force yeah, maybe every two or three years from the company. And what it's going to show you is your current cash value, which of course is on your right. statement. 
and a projection of the future cash value growth and the future death benefit growth. And that's something people do not understand about whole life is that the death benefit is increasing. It's also growing. Yep. Yep. So your enforced illustration is going to have a column showing those two things okay. and their growth based on that current year's dividend scale. And it's a very valuable document <clears throat> to have. While at the same time, I'm going to encourage people to not make a whole lot of decisions about it or around that document because you have a projection, again, based on the current year's dividend scale. Right. Absolutely going to change. Can change, yep. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's still a valuable thing that you want to learn how to read. And I actually have a whole video course on how to read statements and how to look at your Enforce illustrations. And I can send you a link to that. You're welcome to yes. throw it in the show notes if that's valuable to anybody there. And that's an amazing course. Uh, thank you for. Um, you know, thank you for the course. I took a look at it and it, it's pretty uh, nifty. It, it it gave me a lot of ideas about uh, life insurance. And that's how I learned about in-course illustration as well. <laughs> awesome. I think the link is wholelifecourse.com, but I'll put it in the show note as well. Yeah, it's wholelifecourse.com. <laughs> So no, that, that, that's awesome. So now my other question is, because whenever we are signing up for something like whole life, um, you know, it's all about cash value, savings account, but then in the end, it's, uh, they mentioned about policy loans, right? So how do these policy loans work? And when one should, and one should not take it, take it out as a loan? <laughs> Absolutely, fabulous questions. So the policy loan works very similar to real estate or like a CD secured loan in that you have cash value. Let's say you have $100,000 of cash value and maybe your death benefits a million dollars or whatever. Okay. You have $100,000 of cash value and you're going to borrow against. I really coach clients to use the term borrow, borrow. against. You're not borrowing from. From implies that you pulled it out. Out, yeah, withdraw. You're, yeah, you're borrowing yeah. against, just like <clears throat> you would in real estate, right? right it's a right. lien, an L-I-E-N, uh -huh. against your cash value. So let's say you have 100000 of cash value and you borrow $60,000, $660,000 to go do a real estate deal. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to be literally using the insurance company's money to do your real estate deal. That 60000 is their money that they are lending to you. Oh, I see. Okay. And they're going to charge you an interest rate for the use right. of their money. And it's usually going to be between 5 and 8%, depending mm -hmm. on whether it's variable or fixed. In the meantime, your $100,000 of cash value is going to still, still sit there. And yep. dividend, earning dividends. <laughs> In the policy, earning dividends. That's right. And right now, dividends from all the various insurance companies, they're netting down after all the costs to probably three or 4%. Okay. So that really begs your second question, which is when is it a good idea to borrow against? Right. Well, using our example, let's say you're going to borrow 60000 against your $100,000 cash value. Let's say that your insurance company is charging you a fixed rate of 6%. Mm -hmm. And you might think that's high, low. It doesn't really matter right. right now. What's important is that you use that 6% money to go invest in something that earns 
eight, nine percent, much greater than your 6% cost. So that's your opportunity. Now, of course, you can also borrow against it to handle emergencies. Let's say you need a new air conditioner and it's 10 grand. Well, you know, if you don't have a credit card that has that capability on it, you absolutely can borrow against your cash value life insurance, pay for the air conditioner, and then you would want to pay that back fairly quickly over the next maybe, you know, three or four, six months from your own earned income. Whereas if you can get a $60,000 loan to do a real estate deal, and again, let's say you have a cost of six and a gain of nine, that's like a 150% improvement. And then you want to use that 9% income, investment income from your real estate deal to pay back your 6% loan so that you can do it again. I see. And again, and again. So you you recommend paying back that loan, right? Absolutely. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of agents kind of talk about and clients don't really understand what's going on. The death benefit will pay back the loan if you don't. But think about what we were just talking about earlier. You've got a healthy person. You're 40 years old when you take out this $60,000 loan. 6% interest for every single year for another 50, 60, 70 years that you're going to live. The policy cannot handle that. So you can use the death benefit to pay back your loan when you're in, you know, if you're taking a loan when you're in your 90s all day long. But if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, you need to be paying that loan back so that you can use it again. That's the whole point. I see. Okay. Yeah, so this is, I'm not doing that. So that's why I asked. I need to start paying back the loan. <laughs> Absolutely. And here's what I recommend to my clients. Use whatever investment you, you are investing in and its cash flow to pay back the loan accordingly. So like I said, if you have a 9% real estate deal and it's paying you every month, use that to pay back the loan. If you're doing a real estate deal and it's a fix and flip and your 60 grand is going to turn into 80 grand in six months or something, then you don't have to pay back the loan at all for the six months. And then when you get your 80 grand, then use it to pay back that loan. Now, the only reason I wouldn't do that is if I was going to take that 80 grand and go buy another real estate deal that was going to earn me more than the 6% loan cost. Right. But as a general rule, you want to be borrowing, paying back, borrowing, paying back, borrowing, paying back consistently. So rinse and repeat. Yeah. (laughs) So let's take a quick break. Um, I'm thoroughly enjoying this discussion. We'll be back. You're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S, dot com. Welcome back to Wealth Matters Podcast. I'm talking to Kim Butler, and we are dissecting life insurance. (laughs) So... I saw a term coined by Kim, another term, uh, and it was clue. So what is clue? (laughs) So I coined that term to just help people remember some of the basic things that their whole life insurance policy does, because it's really easy to forget. So it's C-L-U-E. The C stands for control. And you control your cash value 
the owner controls the policy. And that's a really important distinction. You can be an owner, but not necessarily be the insured. Right. So like I own policies on my adult children. I'm the owner. It's my account. I borrow against it. I pay the premiums. I'm also the beneficiary, but they're the insured. Right. So that's an example there. Right. Yeah. Same as like key men also. Right. Because right. I have for my business, my partner and I both have taken out the key man insurance policy. Yep. That's a perfect example. Okay. Awesome. The L stands for liquidity. And this mm. is just our reminder that this cash value account is totally liquid. And I, I find that people just forget that, you know, they, <laughs> they pay their premiums and they think this money is like in a black Crap. hole, never yeah. to be seen again. And it, it's liquid within seven days. So that's yes. pretty liquid. It's pretty fast. I, I get it like within three days. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty cool. actually. <laughs> Absolutely. And then the, U stands for use to remind us that we can use it for whatever we want. And for most of our clients, they're using it for either emergencies or for opportunities. And that's what I help people think about it for. You can use it for whatever you want. You can use it to go on vacation if you want. Right. It's not my favorite thing, but you can yeah. do it. <clears throat> I really like to have people focus on the opportunity side of right. things. And that means always you should leave a little bit of cash value in there for your emergency fund so that you can borrow against that if you need to for emergencies. Got it. And then the E, so C-L-U-E mm -hmm. in CLUE stands for equity. And this mm -hmm. is just to remind us that we are truly borrowing against the cash value. And the cash value acts like equity, just like equity in a home or any real estate deal with one difference and that's that it never goes down. And as we know, real estate can right. go up stocks, and down. Any, yeah. yeah. And you're right, like stocks too. <clears throat> so, um, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, what about a margin account? Absolutely, very similar, but life insurance can't go down. And obviously a margin, you can have a margin call because oh, yes. your equity went down. But the term equity just helps us remember that the dollars are doing two jobs. They're sitting there in the cash value and they're out doing whatever it is that we're doing with them. Okay. Well, that's awesome. So the last question I have, and again, I want to touch upon it is the taxation side of it. So uh, would you give me an example with numbers on yeah. how the taxes work? Yeah, absolutely. So let's use our hundred thousand dollar example. Right. Again, we have a hundred thousand dollars of cash and we have what started as a million dollar policy and now it's probably a million two hundred thousand. That's okay. a, a fairly typical growth because okay. as the cash value grows, that death benefit that also benefit. grows. Yeah. All right, and let's say you have a sixty thousand dollar loan. If you die, your million two is going to pay back the sixty thousand dollar loan, and then the difference, which would be a million. $140,000 would go tax-free to your beneficiaries. Oh, okay. And if you didn't die, your $60,000 loan is tax-free to you because all loans are tax-free to people. Mm -hmm. And then if you always just continue to keep the policy in force, you will never pay taxes on any of the loaned money 
You will never pay income taxes on the death benefit. Right. And the only time you would pay taxes if you canceled the policy. So in my example, if you have a hundred thousand of cash value, maybe you've put in eighty thousand dollars or something, <clears throat> you'd be taxed on that twenty thousand dollar difference. But the whole goal is to not pay taxes. So you right. want to keep the policy in force. Right. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great explanation. Thank you. You're welcome. Anything else we forgot to discuss? Well, <laughs> I think it's always good to bring up where can this go wrong? Like, right. You know, what, what's the downside of this? And there's a couple answers that I want to give to that. So I think one of the first downsides is that when you tell your friends that you're interested in whole life or you're buying whole life or whatever, you need to be prepared for nine out of 10 of them to say, yuck, why, yeah. what are you doing that for? It's just a very <laughs> misunderstood. Happened product. with me so many times. <laughs> I believe it, I believe it. Um, the second downside is it's absolutely a long-term deal. Like if, right. if you're just wanting to do this for five or 10 years, don't bother, it's not gonna work. I mean it would work, but not very well. And it's not okay. what you should do. Okay. And then um, where it can go wrong is what you were hinting at earlier. And that's, you know, it, if you don't pay back your loans for two, three, four years, no big deal, but you cannot keep that loan on the books forever and ever and ever. Now I'll admit I've had some loans on the books close to 20 years. I've been working with the product for almost 30 because I keep finding good investments that right. are making use of that money. So I don't mind continuing the loan. Okay. But if I'm just either losing the money or blowing the mm. money, that is not a good thing. And nope. I cannot keep that loan on the books in that way. Got it. And, and that's exactly what I'm doing as well. I'm investing. So making sure it's making money. <laughs> yep. That was great. How can my listeners reach out to you? So the easiest place to start is our website, which is partners number four prosperity.com. So partners number four prosperity.com. And if they want to go to forward slash subscribe, there is a special book there. So you can maybe put this link in the show notes, partnersforprosperity.com forward slash subscribe. Yes. There's a book there called Financial Planning Has Failed. And it talks about the whole life insurance, obviously, as an alternative for cash. And it also explains a lot of the alternative investments that we like to use to get people these seven, eight, nine percent interest rates, oh, okay. whereby they can actually borrow against their cash value, or maybe they just use regular money like IRA money or other dollars and go straight to the investment where you can earn a decent interest rate and ideally not lose principal. We're not perfect. You know, we lose yeah. principal too, but we try really, right. really hard not to. But that's the number one rule of any investment. Don't lose your principal. You <laughs> so, no, that, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the uh, discussion and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and have a great rest of the day. Sounds good. You too. If you want to know more about how you can use whole life insurance as a savings account, emergency fund, or use it to grow your wealth, please email me at alpesh at wealthmatters.com.
Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing!